Great to have you with us this morning. Uh, I think that uh, song we sang must have another version that has that extra chorus bit in it somewhere, so we'll uh, pick that one up one day. That's good. Uh, I don't know, about four or five years ago, we moved into our uh, house, or the house that you guys have built over in Banksia Street. And uh, when, we, when we move into a place, it's pretty blank, isn't it? Like, everything's there, but it's pretty much just open. There's nothing around. I remember walking into uh, the bedroom and into the walk-in robe that was there, and it looked great. It was a great walk-in robe. It was huge. Uh, it had these fantastic uh, things that you put everything in. They're called uh, shelves, I think. Uh, they also had a bar along where you could place all the clothes across it. But it looked really bare. The bar was there. It was an excellent bar. It was a great bar. But it wasn't until we actually placed things on that bar and started to put hook, uh, clothes and so forth, hang them on there, that that bar actually gained something, became something, didn't it? Um, I think sometimes that's a bit like us in our Christian life, isn't it? We've got the bar of Christianity that we know and we've got there and it looks good, but sometimes we need to have stuff to hang on it that helps us pull it together, to help us understand it better, to help us grasp it better and to help us recall it better. So what we're going to do over the next nine weeks is we're actually going to take the bar of Christianity, uh, we know what that is, we uh, know it's about Jesus, uh, but now what we're going to do is we're going to hang some clothes on it in a sense. Over the next week we're going to get nine verses to hang your life on. We did this series back in about 2003 where we did verses to hang your life on and we had ten verses then, this time we've only got nine because we've only got nine weeks this term. Uh, you could have done a whole lot, couldn't you? There's a whole lot of verses in the Bible that you could just take and say, these are fantastic verses. But I've picked nine for us over this next term. We're going to look at those nine verses and we're going to take one of them each time, look at them, and we're going to place them on uh, the bar and we're going to hang them there. And the challenge is going to be for us not only to understand them, to look at them, to be uh, transformed hopefully by them, but also to memorise them. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever tried to memorise scripture, uh, to memorise the Bible. It's a really great thing to do. When I was in university, I got involved with a group called Navigators and they're right into memorising Bible verses. And I think the Bible verses I remember most now are the ones that I had back when I was back in uni, 20-odd years ago now. Uh, but they're the ones I remember the best because we were drummed into us to remember them, but they come back to you. Uh, I'm not going to drum them into you over the next nine weeks, but we're going to hopefully encourage you to memorise them. Uh, I might even give you a prize at the end if you can memorise all nine, like a chocolate or a minty or something that we give to kids at school. Uh, but it would be great for you to memorise them. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do nine verses over the next nine weeks. There's a gap in the middle with uh, C. We're going to try and do that. We're going to do nine verses together to hang our lives on. Uh, as we think about that, and before we get to the first one, how about I pray? And then let's have a look at what I think is a really great verse to hang your life on. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks that when we open up your Bible, when we look into it, we see that you are speaking to us, Lord. We pray this morning that as we open it up and look at uh, one of the very first verses in the Bible, that, Lord, you will open our eyes to see what you have to say to us through it and that, Lord, we will be changed and transformed by that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So that's what we're going to do this morning. The very first one we're going to look at today is what uh, Bob did the children's talk on. It's Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. But we're going to read from verse 26 through to 31 to help put it into context for you. Uh, one of the really careful things you need to do whenever uh, you have uh, a Bible and you're just picking out one verse, you need to be really careful that you just don't make it say what you want it to say, but you need to understand it within it, the context of where it is in the Bible 
uh, what went before, what comes after, how it all fits together. So we're going to make sure that we do that with all the verses that we look at. We're just going to pull it out and look at it by itself. But we are going to spend time just concentrating on the one verse for most of the time. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 through to 31. And I'm down to read today, so I'm going to read for you. Doesn't happen too often, does it? Uh, Verse 26 in Genesis chapter 1. It's on the screen. If you've got your Bibles, have them open as well. That'd be great. Uh, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he'd made and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning on the sixth day. So if you've got your Bibles, keep them open there. Uh, or you'll see that uh, different things will come up on the screen too to help you as well. So, so why do you think I might have chosen this verse as the very first verse to have as our verse to hang a life on? Anyone got an idea? It's to do with creation, isn't it? So it's to do with the beginning. So it's good to go to the beginning sometimes, isn't it? Uh, if you want to know what it's all about, go to the beginning to start with. Uh, but maybe why particularly this verse? Why do you think it might have been the one that I thought we could hang our lives on to start with? Very personal. Yeah. This is a very, very crucial verse to understanding who you and who I am and who everyone in the world is. And it has a major implications on not only who we are, but how we treat others. You see, what this verse does is sets it up and shows us exactly what God has done in creating us and making us, and that we have been made in his image. And that's what we're going to concentrate on today. What does it mean to be made in his image? Because you notice it's got nothing to do with male and femaleness, does it? Because it says, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So the image aspect of who you and I are hasn't got to do with whether we're male and female. Uh, it's not a gender issue. It's got something bigger than that and it's because God isn't a gender. God isn't male or female. He is spirit and male and female both represent and image him, both of them equally. So there is no place anywhere on this earth for men to say that they are more important or more the image of God than females. And there's nowhere on this earth anywhere where females are to say that they're more important or more the image of God than blokes. Male and female are both in the image of God. They are both as important as one another. And that's a really crucial thing to take, isn't it? Because sometimes in society, if we look throughout the history of society, one has either been put above the other, either the male or the female. But here it says they're both created in the image of God. And so it's not a male-female thing. It's not a gender thing that is important here. But it's good for us to know that as well, isn't it? That both male and female are in the image of God. 
That's a wonderful thing to know, isn't it? Male and female. So what I'm going to do for you today is I'm going to take it and we're going to take three points. We're going to go for uh, what's the importance of this, of us being in the image of God, you and I, male and female, what is the importance of that, uh, what is the meaning of that, and what is the restoration of that, because we're going to see that we're not perfect in it. So what's the implication, what's the importance of being in the image of God? Well, I'm going to take two things. There's lots of things we could talk about today, but I'm going to add two points to each one. Uh, and the first one I'm going to say is what, is what is really important about the fact that we are in the image of God is the fact for our own self-image of who we understand who we are. You see, this is saying that each and every one, every person in here in some way is the image of God. We are, to, we are like God in some way. We're going to talk a bit more about what that means a little bit later. But we are like God. Therefore, every one of us here, every person in this whole world is important is special, is worthy, is significant. They are important within the eyes of God. Every one of us is worthy in his eyes. No one is lesser, no one is greater, everyone is worthy. doesn't matter what colour we are, where we come from, background, everyone is worthy. Uh, a friend of mine called Tim Wilson, who's a minister, uh, a number of years ago uh, got a phone call while he was sitting at his desk And as he picked up the phone, he immediately recognised that this was an Indian call centre. And as the bloke got on the phone, he says, Ah, is this Mr Wilson? That's a Chinese one, maybe. Ah, anyway. (laughs) Yeah, Chinese-Indian, maybe. Work with the the accent, anyway. Ah, Mr Wilson, have I got a deal for you? Uh, And my friend on the other end of the phone knew immediately what it was. He says, Ah, look... I appreciate the deal, but honestly, I am not worthy to take this deal. Oh, Mr. Wilson, you are worthy. You are very worthy of this deal, Mr. Wilson. No, no, sorry. I am not worthy to take this deal. Look, seriously, it's a wonderful deal. It's a great deal, but I'm not worthy to take it. You honestly cannot give it to me. Mr. Wilson, you are worthy, Mr. Wilson. You are really worthy of this deal. This deal is for you. And Tim says, no, I'm not worthy, sorry, and he hung up. Five minutes later, the phone rings again and Tim picks up the phone. He says, oh, Mr Wilson, I have Rashid, my brother. He thinks you're worthy too. You're worthy for this deal. Chinese Indian, yeah, I have to practice that one. Anyway, uh, it's a good one, isn't it? Like, this guy thought that Mr Wilson, Tim, was worthy and so did his brother think he was worthy. And God says, you are worthy. You are worthy. Because I have made you and created you and you are in my image. That's really good to know, isn't it? doesn't matter what anyone says about you, doesn't matter whether anyone tries to put you down, doesn't matter anyone tries to make you a second-class citizen, you are not. You are in the image of God, created to be like him. That doesn't mean that we're created to be God. We're not a God. We're not part of God. But we are the image of God. Within us, in a sense, who we are and what we are, as we're going to see in a minute, is like God to a degree. And we are important and we are worthy because of that. Uh, we used to have a poster on our fridge at home that had a picture of this person with their hand down like this and it says, uh, I know that I am somebody because God don't make no junk. I know I'm somebody 
because God don't make no junk. You are worthy. And I don't know whether you know, but this is vital to how we understand ourselves in the world. Because the world around us today deifies, makes science God and what God says about you and I here today is we are just a bunch of molecules, a very complex bunch of molecules that are here by accident. Therefore, there is no dignity in any one of us, really. We are just complex beings of some sort. But what this says to you and I is that we're not just complex beings. We have been made deliberately by a loving, creative God and we are in his image. That makes a huge difference to how we view ourselves. Because I don't know about you, but you see people all the way around this world all the time, continually. They either let people run over them or let people destroy them or they try and do stuff to make themselves better, to be accepted by and loved by and cared by or somehow part of this big world. But in the end, you don't need all that. Because we're loved by God. We're in his image. We don't need to be abused. We don't need to let people walk over us. We don't need to be, uh, let other people abuse us or, or put us down or allow that to be the case because we are important. We are worthy. We are significant because God has made us. We are created in his image. So that's vitally important, isn't it, to understand who we are. And you can take that and run with that and think about that in regards to how you see yourself in the world and around you. But I think the other one that we need to remember is that not only who we are in God, but who everyone else is as well. Because understanding that we're in the image of God means to realise that everyone else is the image of God as well, has the image of God, is a representative of God. And therefore, how do we treat everyone around us? If everyone has been created by God in his image, then everyone deserves to be treated with respect and love and honesty and care, no matter who they are, no matter what background they come from, whether they're from the same same social group as you or the same peer group as you or the same colour as you or the same nation as you or from anywhere, wherever it is, everyone deserves the same love and care and dignity and honour as everyone else. That's right, John, because God loved us all because he created us all. Sometimes, you know, uh, we're not exactly the perfect image, are we? We're going to talk about it a little bit later. Sometimes that image is blurred and sometimes people's images are blurred more than others and so therefore it can be difficult to care for people at some times and we feel that some people may not deserve that, but everyone does doesn't matter how great or how small or whatever, how blurred that image is, everyone deserves that honour, dignity and care and love that everyone should be given. You see, Jesus said to us, didn't he? He said, Jesus said, how you treat the least of these is how you treat me. Why does he say that? Because everyone has been created in the image of God. That's why. So we need to treat all people with love and care and dignity, whoever they are, wherever they are, whatever they do. Uh, James James chapter 3 verse 9 says this, With our tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. This should not be. We don't have the right to curse and downplay anyone. We are to honour and dignify everyone. 
because everyone is created in the image of God. Martin Luther King said this, he said, from the treble white to the double, double black, all are significant on God's keyboard. From the treble white to the double black, all are significant on God's keyboard. And we need to think about that hard, don't we? Now, we don't live in a country that has particularly had a whole lot of race segregation, though I think we haven't done it well at times. But a lot of other countries, sometimes we point the finger, don't we? Sometimes we point the finger at South Africa or America or wherever it might have been, wherever that you know apartheid has been or the slavery has been. Sometimes we look at that, don't we? But we need to look at ourselves sometimes too, don't we? And step back. Do we honestly treat everybody as though they are the image of God? Or have we got some people up here and others here? Because what this is saying to us, isn't it? There there is no place in our lives for racism, sexism, ageism or any other ism that you want to put out there. There is no place for it, is there? Because we are all in the image of God. Every one of us. So we are to treat everyone the same. Uh, Jesus said to us, the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and you love your neighbour as yourself. And when he take, talks about the neighbour, didn't he? He talked about a Samaritan that really the Jews should have hated and despised and kicked out and had nothing to do with. And he says, but no, we are to love them and care for them. It's a great passage, isn't it? Because this has a whole lot of implications in regards to how we treat each other individually, but how we treat each other as a nation and how we look about how we care for everyone in our country, doesn't it? How we talk about people, how we either put down or don't put down, which we shouldn't put down, should we? How we sometimes try to make some people seem second class. It's got a great... It's great importance, isn't it, to understand who we are in God, that we are the image of God. Each and every one of us are significant and worthy. But it has a great significance, doesn't it, important for us in how we treat everyone else, that they too are significant and worthy and that we have to love them and care for them because they've been created in the image of our God. Well, what does that mean for us? What does that uh, uh, mean for you and I? Uh, well, I think there's a couple of things that it means for us. And I'm going to pick up on two of them for us again because you can run into a whole lot of different ways with this. Uh, but I think what Bob did with the talk was an excellent one, isn't it? When we talk about image, what it means is that it should reflect, shouldn't it? Uh, that it should represent. And so when the Bible talks about us being the image of God, it should, says that we should reflect who God is and what he is like, his character. So it's not what he looks like because he's spirit, isn't he? So we don't have to dress the same or have the same hair colour or wear types of clothes, but we are to represent him and reflect him in his character of what he is like to the world. And what God is like to the world is he is one who brings light into the world, doesn't he? He brings light and life and love into the world and that is the type of life that we are to be, people who reflect and represent him into the world. Uh, and even the mirror image that, uh, that Bob used is a good one, isn't it? I heard one the other day too that, uh, I don't know whether you've seen it, but when you were kids you probably did this, you know, when you used to get the mirror and then you get the sun and you get the angle of the, the sun onto the mirror and then it would focus the light and it would burn things. Ants and all those sorts of stuff. Maybe you shouldn't do it to ants. You used to do that, Johnny. 
just don't do it anymore, mate, because I don't think you'd see it put out the fire. But you've got you to watch it, don't you? So the idea is that, is that you've got to get the light and it's got to hit and then it's got to reflect. Because if the mirror isn't facing the light, then it won't reflect it, will it? Uh, but it brings light into wherever it does. It reflects the greater light. And in a sense, that's what you and I, that's what our life is to be, is to be a life that reflects the greater light, that reflects it out into the world and brings light to the world. And the best way that we can do that is I'm going to say, is two ways I'm going to talk about that, is that we should do that in our relationships because we are created as relational beings. Because God is a relational being. God is in relationship within himself. He is the Trinity. Uh, you've probably heard that before. Father, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. The three of them together are in Trinity. They are in perfect loving, harmonious relationship with one another always. There's no sense of one feeling lesser than the other. They are all equal in what they do and they do that perfectly. They relate to one another that way and we are created in that image and so we are to have that relationship orientation in how we live and what we do. And so the way that we are to reflect God, his image, is in the way that we live out our lives in relationship to one another. There's an old saying, isn't it, that no man's an island. No person's an island. We're not an island, are we? Basically, we are almost the sum of our relationships. Who we are, to a degree, is made up to, basically upon who, what relationships we're in. Be that with our family, be that with our parents, be that with our kids, be that with the people around us. But that's who we are. We are people in relationship with one another. And to reflect God well is to reflect him well in our relationships in loving, caring relationships with each other. Remember, that's what the greatest commandment is. We've said that before, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul and mind and to love one another as yourselves. If we are to reflect God well, to image him well, then we are to love one another well. Now, we've spent a whole term on that, haven't we? That's basically what last term was all about about how we do that in community with one another. And I want to encourage you to keep doing that because that's how we image God well, when we love one another well. Jesus says, you'll know my disciples by the way that they love one another. The distinctive of us, of who we are, we are to image God well, is the way that we love one another. Now, there are a whole lot of people in our community at the moment, in this little one here, who are either moving house or renovating house or changing things up, there's a great opportunity for you to go and love them. Go around and see whether you can grab a paintbrush if they'll let you. Go around and see if they'll sandpaper for them. Ask them whether you can offer for them to, to take them, uh, to help them move. Love them well. Tell them that you'll be praying for them. This is a tough gig, you know. It's one of the most stressful periods in people's lives uh, when, they, when they move, when they get married, and I think there's probably other ones as well, but they're two of the biggest ones, aren't they? So if people are moving and renovating, pray for them, encourage them. Encourage them too to get not so caught up in their renovating and their moving that they don't get on with their relationship with God either. Great to move, great to change things, but ultimately our relationship with God is where it's at, isn't it? So have a think about that, how you can love people here and now. Listen to people well. When you're talking to someone, actually listen well to them. I think that's a great way to love one another, isn't it? So often we just want to tell people what's going on, but it's even better if we listen to what's going on. Love one another well, guys, because that's when we reflect God well.
Uh, the second thing I want to say to you too is being created in God's image means that we are spiritually dependent beings. That is, we don't just shine by ourselves. We need a source to shine. Uh, and you know what happens is if we don't have the main sources, God the source to shine, we'll try and find something else to fill that place. So what we'll do is we'll try and find uh, being powerful, being successful, being popular, being uh, well, doing well at sport, doing anything that you think that's going to grab you that attention to make you shine is you're going to try and grab it to help you shine. But there's only one light that you need to shine and that's God's light. So we need to turn our mirror to him, as Bob said, and let that reflect out in how we live, for our, live in the world around us. Because we are ultimately spiritually dependent beings, guys. You will chase it somewhere else. And any other light that you chase to reflect will let you down and will destroy you. Because all you start doing then, if you start using that, what happens is that you start using that to serve you or you use the person, people around you to get what you want because you think, well, I need to get stuff to make me feel important and me to be good. I need to get it off other people. But whereas when we're reflecting God and knowing that we are in him, then we actually can truly serve people because we are wrapped up in him and not in everything else out there. So when we come to marriage, for example, you can truly serve your husband or your wife if you've got your image, if you understand who you are in God. If you don't, then you're just going to try and get that person to change. Either you won't say anything, you won't tell them the truth, you won't speak to them because you're too afraid that they're not going to like you and they're going to, go, they're going to destroy you somehow, they're going to do it. Or the other thing is you talk too much because you want them to change to be like you. But if your image is in God, if you know you're created and worthy and special because of him and significant because of him, then you can truly serve others. It doesn't just go for marriage, it goes for work, it goes for relationships around town, it goes for people that you know, wherever you are in the community. It changes your perspective, doesn't it? And you can truly serve. So it's important to understand who we are. The image, knowing that we are created in the image of God, is important to know who we are. It's important to know who everyone else is so that we can treat them well. It's important, it's a, the meaning of it is that we are to reflect God in our relationships with one another and to know that we need to reflect that through God because we're spiritually dependent upon him. But our mirrors are cracked, aren't they? doesn't matter who you look at around here, you can look at me, we are cracked mirrors, aren't we? We don't reflect well all the time. We need to have our mirrors renovated. And there's only one person who can do that. And that is the perfect image of God. And that's Jesus. If uh, Dylan flips through, you'll go down. Uh, one more, mate. Uh, you'll see in Colossians 1.15, uh, Paul's writing to Colossians, he says, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the perfect. If you want to know what God looks like, Look to Jesus. If you want to know what God is like in character, then look to Jesus. If you want to know how to reflect well, then look to Jesus. Uh, Jesus says in John 14, verse 79, he says, If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you know me, then you know the Father. He is the perfect image. And he is the one that can renovate your life and my life. So what's the next one? Flip up the next one, Dylan. 
Coloss- uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18. If you read, go home and read around this passage when you get home, but you'll see it's when uh, Paul is talking about how in Moses' day uh, people couldn't look at him because he was reflecting the glory of God. They put a veil over his face uh, and he says that now we're all like that unless Jesus lifts the veil and shows us what God is like. And then it says what he's aiming for you and I is that we become transformed, become more and more like him. That's what 2 Corinthians 3.18 says. We, are, we with unveiled faces are being transformed into his likeness with ever increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. You see, Jesus' role for us is to transform us, become more and more like the image that we're created to be. And he does that by the Spirit working within us to change us and mould us and work with us. I don't know whether you've ever, uh, you probably have, you've been in the shower, you got out and... Uh, I put a few clothes on, but you look at the, the mirror in front of you and it's all fogged up. Uh, often I try to shave and I can't shave when the mirror's fogged up. So what I need to do is you need to wipe the mirror, don't you, so you get a better image. While it's all fogged, you're going to cause devastation. I'm going to cut myself, I'm going to nick myself. But when I wipe it away, I actually see my image properly. And since that's what the Spirit does in our lives, it wipes away the mist, the fog, and clears it out of our lives so that we can reflect God better, so that we can reflect him in our lives. And Jesus is the only one who can do that. He is the only one who can transform our lives to reflect the God who made us better day by day, from glory to glory, says that verse. What a wonderful thing that would be, wouldn't it? And it can be ours we put our trust in him and look to him more and more because he will clean it up for us. He will wipe away the fog and we will reflect God more and more in our lives to show his image more and more to the world around us because what we are to do is to bring the light to the world, aren't we? The light of how wonderful God is. It's a great verse, isn't it? A verse to hang your life on. Genesis chapter 1 verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him. Male and female he created them. It's vital to understanding who we are. It's vital to understanding how we treat one another. It's vital in understanding that life is about relationships and that we are to reflect God well in our relationships, knowing that we're only dependent on him and nothing else. And knowing that the only one that's going to clear up that image in us is Jesus. Let's hang our life on that, guys. Genesis 1, verse 27. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you just for that one verse in the Bible, for the fact that you created us, that you loved us, and that you made us, and that we are in your image. Heavenly Father, we pray that we may reflect your image well, that we may reflect that by loving one another and treating one another with love and honour and dignity, Lord. Help us to know that we, are, that we, Lord, have been made by you and that we can know ourselves only in you, Lord, that we can be secure in that so that we can live to bring your light to the world around us, Lord. We pray, Lord, that by your spirit that you will transform us, clean us up, get rid of the fog, 
so that we, rep we reflect and represent you well, Lord, in the world that you've placed us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.